so I am going to be with you guys for the next four weeks. Um, I'm going to be teaching uh, our vision series, uh, our 2019 vision series. Uh, for those of you that are a part of our church, you may have known for uh, a while, we always go back through uh, every year about this time, and we spend some time just kind of talking about our vision, what we stand for, what we believe, what we are doing, where we're headed, where we're going, and how many are grateful that we can kind of find out, hey, this is where we're headed, this is where we're going. I don't know about you, but I like to know where I'm headed if I get on a, a car or get in a car or wherever I, I want to know uh, where I'm headed. So I want to go back to our scripture because it's been a moment since we read it. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And it says this, let not your hearts be troubled. How many are thankful for that blessing or that promise or that encouragement? Um, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So Jesus is speaking to them. And he goes, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also, and you may know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, and there's always a Thomas in every group, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And instead of Jesus giving him an actual roadmap and saying, hey, go to the big oak tree and turn a right, he says this. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. Uh, one of the things that kind of, uh, obviously, I've spent a lot of time uh, over the last uh, 17, 18 years, either in funerals or being around funerals, um, doing them, conducting them, being a part of them, showing up and being uh, engaged with the family through funerals. And I've been to a lot of open casket funerals, a lot of closed casket funerals, and open casket funerals um, are always um, very interesting to me because uh, you go to uh, the front, uh, you stand there, and you look down into the casket. And one of the things uh, that you hear while you're standing there, because um, people really don't know what to say. I mean, what, what do you say in that moment? Um, you always say, he, he was a good man, or, or uh, she was a, a really good woman. Uh, there, there's an identity uh, about ourselves that when we're getting ready to die, that we want to know that our life was spent doing something good. We want to know that we have been good people. Even in this pluralistic culture where right may be subjective to the person, where we pursue pleasure with unabashed hedonism and we focus on external qualities. I mean, how many would agree with me? It'd be super rare you, or weird if you're standing there looking at a casket, uh, an open casket, and someone looks at you and goes, man, he had some of the most ripped abs ever. It would just be super weird. Or can you believe how perfect his teeth are? Like, no one really says that. Even in a culture where we are so focused on all of these external qualities, we really have this desire to do something good. And isn't that really what Instagram is about? Like, hey, notice me. Like, I matter, don't I? Like this, please, let me know that I matter. There's this internal part of our heart, and we're wired that way. We're, we're wired for good. We're wired to do good. Essentially, this is an idea that, always, that goes all the way back to the classic Greeks. It, you find it in the Middle Ages. A lot of the Renaissance paintings that we see that are very famous is about this idea of battling between good and evil, that we want to know that we are good. And this is something that philosophers have tried their hardest to try to determine or try to identify. World religions have come along and tried to speak to it or talk about it. But how many are thankful that Christianity has a way to actually address what it means to be good? And his name is Jesus. 
Their world religions may say, hey, you have to act this way. You have to live up to this certain standard. You have to give yourself to this. And if you do this, then you will achieve a certain amount of goodness. But here's what we know, that we cannot achieve goodness on our own. And Jesus knew that. And so he robed himself in flesh and he said, I'm going to come into the midst of their brokenness and I'm going to make things good. I'm going to bring goodness into the middle of that. And so we don't serve Jesus because he makes things better. We serve Jesus because he is better. We serve Jesus because he is better. And so Jesus shows us how to reach that place of goodness. And so this is the foundation for what we do as a church. How do we actually reach that? Because isn't that really what we want? We want good marriages. I've never met someone, uh, I very rarely in any kind of moments where I've been giving counsel to people or speaking to people or mentoring, I've never had someone look at me and say, hey, like, can you help me be bad at my marriage? <laughs> Usually they're going, hey, I'm really bad at my marriage. Can you help me be good? Or they're saying, hey, like, I really, I've got a lot of money now. Things are really great. I've got a lot of money in savings. I've got, I own some property. Can you teach me how to blow it? <laughs> how, many, how many would agree with me? We're good at that on our own. Like, you don't need help. Like, we can mentor each other in all of that. Like, I, just give me an hour at, at any of my favorite stores, and I know how to mentor myself and how to blow the money that I've worked hard to save. The, the idea is, is that there's a desire on the inside of it. So that's why you see uh, on uh, New Year's, everybody gets into the gym. There's this desire, and it's been put on the inside of us. The challenge is that we can't quite get there without a relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus comes in, and he goes, hey, here's the thing I want you to see. I want you to know that if you follow me, then you will walk into this goodness. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Matthew 16, 25 would say like this. It would say, for whoever would want to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus is saying this. He's saying, listen, if you want to find your life, you're going to have to lose it. It can't look the way that you want it. The more that you try to control your life, the more that you try to uh, make sure that goodness is a part of what you do, the more that you try to discipline yourself, the more, and discipline is good, the more that you try to force yourself to do these things, you cannot become good apart from from me. And so that kind of really is the foundational aspect of what we talk about at Journey, where our, what is our vision based off of is that we are followers of the way of Christ. That is simply the vision. We, 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 have, we have no desire in our body to, to, to we, well, that, that's that what I would say is the vision. When I very first started out, I was like, man, we need to have a hot worship team. We need to have this. We need to have this. We need to have this. And then I realized like we have to try to sell those things. And, and if we can't sell who we really are, then we're going to have to constantly work up the energy to do that. How many would agree with me the, to put the energy into something that you're not is exhausting. And so we stepped back and we said, what is it that we can do? Well, we can help people follow the pathways to Jesus, to practice the ways of Jesus. Some of you may not know this, but the early church was not called the early church when they first started it. They were called followers of the way. They were called the followers of the way. They followed a way, a pathway, uh, and they looked at that. And so what we're really talking about here, and we have to kind of break this down for just a moment, is that we're talking about there's a difference between people that attend church and people that follow the way of Jesus. There are people that attend church, and there's nothing wrong with that. We want you to keep attending because we want you to really experience the goodness of God. I love this. The corporate gathering is something that I put most of my effort and my energy into every week, my study, my plan, my preparation, the mentoring of leaders, all of that, all of that. So I believe in the corporate gathering, but here's what I've learned over the years is that the two hours that you spend with us will not counteract the 166 hours that you spend out there in the week. 
And so it's my job, it's our job as leaders to come in and speak life to you, to come in and to help reorient your heart so that when you're outside of here, you're not just having Pastor Dan talk to you and Pastor Joey talk to you about generosity, but you find yourself on a Wednesday without someone prompting you being generous. Or you find yourself going, man, that really, that, that person at work really irritates me. And you find yourself practicing the way of Jesus and going, but I've got to pray for my enemies. Why did he put that in there? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's, that will be the primary issue that I have. Well, there'll be some other ones, but that'll be a primary issue. I'll take what Jesus said. Why, why, do we have, why do we have to bring that one in there, man? So if I'm going to follow Jesus, it's going to look much different than I'm going to attend church. And so we equip you for this. I've got this quote, and it's the only quote that's going to be up here. And by the way, if you want to follow this back up with any notes or anything, you can check out the podcast. We're going to start recording these and actually putting them online. Um, so you can hear them every week. Some of you have been griping about this, and we have heard. And so we're going to finally do it our way and our timing and put it up there. But anyway, <laughs> so here's the, here's the quote. It says this. It should be up. Our task is the opposite, and this is a phenomenal book uh, from uh, Andre Nguyen, and basically his, it's on pastoral leadership, and it's a small read. It's, a, it's an incredible read for pastors and leaders. We take our pastors and leaders through it. It said, our task is the opposite of distraction. So you can think of us as the anti-Facebook, as the anti-Instagram uh, in your life. Um, we are the opposite of distraction. Our task is to help people concentrate on the real but often hidden event of God's active presence in their lives. Hence the question that must guide all organizing activity in a parish, he's, he's Catholic or a church, is not how to keep people busy, but how to keep them from getting so busy that they no longer hear the voice of God that speaks in silence. So our job is to be that one interruption in your week that says, hey, we may have gotten our hearts a little crazy here. Let's get it back into where God wants to. We, we want to be that non-anxious presence in your life that comes and says, hey, the Holy Spirit is good. He's alive. When you're sitting there and you come in here and you feel burdened down and you feel like that you can't, we want to be, we want to be the people that say, hey, pick your chin up. God is a good God. He's not had the last say in your life. We want to be the people that come in and say, hey, you want to go somewhere? and put the opportunity, put the effort into it because God will help you and do it. And so that's the spirit of God that we want to create in that. And so what we talk about a lot here at the church is following Jesus. And we want that, we want to make his end goal your aim. We want to make the end goal of what Jesus has for our life our aim. What is the end goal for you? And that's so much different for each and every one of us. What does it actually look like? That Jesus, we set ourselves as Jesus, as the vision, as the kind of person that we want to become at the end of the day. And so a lot of people ask me, how, how can I be a good dad? Follow Jesus. How can I be a good wife? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow the pathways that he's set up to be able to walk in forgiveness and to carry yourself. And so as we, we look at that, we, we realize that this is the reason why the early church called itself the way is because it didn't organize itself around uh, uh, activities. It oriented itself around a person, right. a man. It oriented everything. And so when we come in to worship, we, we speak the mysteries of God. We, we, we open up our hearts. The idea that there's something good that God is doing. And how many are thankful for that? Because we believe in the kingdom of God. We believe that it is here, but not yet fully, that we, we are experiencing. How many are thankful for the taste of worship this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get to heaven and do that. 
I was talking to one of my boys, and they were like, Dad, do you think we have to do that all the time? We're in heaven. But there was something beautiful about being in the presence of God, surrounded by the voices. And, and how many would, 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 would agree with me when, when, when Corey says, hey, let's sing that as loud as we can. There's something reinvigorating. I mean, I love hearing these guys sing, but then when I hear the congregation start to sing, there's something sweet about it. It's, it's the, the beautiful part of it. And here's what happened. Jesus said, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a deposit on your future. That was a lot better than you guys gave me credit for. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I, you know what? Let's do a redo on that one. I'm going to try it. Actually, I may not be able to say it the same way, so we're not going to do that. But the next one, y'all better hit me back, all right? <laughs> David Brooks said, Brett Brooks said it like this. He said in his book, The Road to Character, he said, Jesus invites us into a new way of loving. We don't become better because we acquire new information. We become better because we acquire better loves. And so as we set our affection and our heart and our attention on the things of God, as we follow ourselves and get into better loves, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. His desire is for his uh, uh, children to have an enheightened awareness of his presence of God. And we sang that this morning. That our vision, you say, well, Pastor Michael, I thought our vision should be to build buildings and our vision should be to get bigger kids' church and all that kind of stuff. Guys, let me tell you something. We take care of this, all that stuff will take care of itself. And and at the same time, what what does it matter if our church is successful but our families are not? We want you to be able to carry this into your family. We want you dads to be able to say, hey, this is this... What's going on here? There's a lot of strife in here. Let's get together and pray real quick. We want you to be able to experience that. But that sets us at odds, if I'm honest, with the Holy Spirit. It sets us at odds with our flesh because we have two choices with this vision. It's either we choose the narrow way or we choose the broad way. And here's the thing about this particular passage of Scripture. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of times people use this Scripture to kind of put, to decide who's in and who's out to be able to say that this is just about salvation. And it is about salvation, it's foundation, but it's more about that because the reality is that Jesus didn't come just to get us saved. He came to give us a framework for a whole new way, whole new way of life. Right. And so there's a, a, a narrow way versus a broad way. How many of you just had a weekend and said, I've been working hard, I don't care, I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat? <laughs> have you ever said that? All right, how, how do I know that every time I talk about food, Rivery's gonna get engaged with it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. I got respect for it. But how many of you ever how many just say, Pastor, actually, that's my life philosophy. It's not a weekend thing. It's, it's a seven. I am committed. That is my pathway right there. That is my pathway. I mean, that, would you not consider that to be the Broadway? I mean, it, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I have these times where I was like, man, I've eaten really good this week. Val, give me a couple of bags of Doritos. Give me about four or five whatchamacallits. Give me, uh, a, a, if you come back home and have not spent at least $60 at Taco Bell, you have failed. Like, <laughs> like there, there are times. And then what do you do when you eat that? Exactly. There's no words for it. You just sit there and you go, please, Jesus, let the rapture happen. God, like, right now. please, like, come, God, please take me away. What do you do? You immediately go, ah, I shouldn't do that. As people that have been created with a spirit, our spirit is the same way. That every time that we stuff that stuff into our spirit, every time that we, we, we react, when someone zings us, we zing them. 
Every time we go, the Lord's tugging on our heart to give, and we go, no, nah, I really need that. Or, or every time that there's something that rises up in your heart with envy or jealousy when someone gets blessed and you respond in a wrong way, guess what? It's like putting that bag of Doritos in your body. And Jesus said, no, that's the broad way. Like, there's going to be a ton of people that follow the broad way. You can throw a rock and hit thousands of people doing that. Our culture is just run a rampant, do whatever you want to, have sex with whoever you want to, act however you want to, relationship, whatever you want to, whatever, 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 whatever. But Jesus said, no, he said, I've come to bring a narrow way. And that narrow way is this. I want you and I require radical obedience. But here's where Jesus is different than all the other world religions. I'm not just going to require radical obedience. I'm also going to follow it up with radical grace. So when we say that we are, and and you've heard me use this analogy before, if I was to drop my kids off, or you were to drop your kids off at my house, and Val was going to watch them for you, and you dropped them off, and Val said, I will try to watch your kids while you're on a date. How many of you are going to go, sure? I don't know. Some of you haven't been on a date night in so long. You might just take anything at this point. (laughs) Who would agree with me But is that not the truth? Like, you're going to go, no, I don't really know that I want to leave my kids here. But, I mean, obviously, like, if I'm honest, like, this is what Val does for a living. I don't want to leave my kids with her out of everybody. Um, no offense, moms. But, like, I, I really would. Um, because she thinks about, like, no, this is illegal, even at the house. Like, like this, we can't do that. <laughs> the reality is that's why we call it training, a practicing, or a practicing, apprenticeship. This is why we call it practicing the way of Jesus. That is not our language, but we love it and we use it. And we call it practicing the way of Jesus because here's the thing. I may have a really fantastic Monday and a terrible Tuesday and a good Wednesday. The issue isn't whether or not I've strung three great days together in a row. The issue is whether or not I am consistently practicing the way of Jesus. And here's what I've found over the years is that people do, that don't practice the way of Jesus do not just normally wake up one day and have it all figured out. Yeah. And, and how many would agree with me? Like you, you have met people that, and, and I mean this with, with a, a serious amount of respect. Um, I, I, I pastor a lot of young people. And so when I say elderly, they think 40s. When I say elderly, I'm thinking 80s. But you've been around people that have been in their 80s, and you've been around some of the sweetest, kindest, most gentle people that you can imagine. And then is it not also fair to say that we've been around people that have been in their 80s, and they're some of the meanest, hateful, most bitter people that you've ever been around? And what is the difference between the two? Is it's how they've practiced the way of Jesus or how they have allowed life to shape them. And everybody has a framework for that. Everybody, no matter what, whether you follow Jesus or not, has a framework for how you process bitterness or how you process hurt. And so Jesus helps us become that. And that's the thing that my wife and I've talked about for years. Like, okay, we are 41 and and we're, we're getting into our mid forties. What is the next? We want to be those older couple, that older couple that becomes sweeter and kinder the older they get. So the narrow way is Jesus's way, and we have an invitation into this life. And that's what Jesus speaks to us. And he says, hey, I want you to come, and I want you to be invited into this. And so when we, we, we ask and say, hey, we're going to do a marriage conference, or we want you to come and hear Billy Kelly, Billy and Kelly. Billy and Kelly have been our mentors and our marriage mentors for years, for years. 
We want to practice the way of what it means to have a, a marriage that honors one another, that mar- a marriage that honors the Lord, that, that brings out the best in each of us. When we say, hey, we want you to come to a night of vision, these are practicing the ways. Go to a family dinner. These are practicing the ways to be able to enjoy Jesus, to be able to pick up your Bible throughout the week and say, hey, I want to invest myself a little bit into this, or to be able to experience the grace of God through worship. These are all ways that we practice the way of Christ, the pathways, so that when we say at the end of 2020, when we come back to the vision series again, and it's the 1st of October, that we'll be able to say that we actually engaged with this in such a way to where we may not have been perfected in so many other things, but we're much closer to Jesus than we were last year. That there are things that, and this is how it works. Like some of you deal with anger, or some of you deal with frustration, or maybe some of you are having a hard time getting over a hurt or maybe a betrayal. What ends up happening is the more that we practice the way of Jesus, one day you're going to wake up and you're not even going to think about it. And that's how Jesus works. Is one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, the very thing that I was asking for years ago, I'm walking into and I didn't even know it. That's how you practice it. That's how you carry it. And that's why we want to be followers of the way of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I love about our church is that I, I, I love the people of our church. Um, one of the things that I hear all the time, either positive and negative, is I'll have people come in and go, that's the friendliest church that I've ever been to in my life. People will say that in a positive way. I'm coming back. Then the second thing people say, that's the friendliest church that I've ever been to in my life, and it freaked me out, and I'm never coming back. <laughs> because you can't help but be more kind and more generous and more giving when you follow Jesus. You are the greatest ambassadors that we have for Christ. And I'll say this, because I just really feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say it. Church attenders turn off the world to Christianity because they come into church and they go through the motions, but then they flip off their neighbor when they don't do something that they want to do throughout the week. But followers of Christ are attractive to the world because they have the answer that they're secretly looking for in their heart. You want to find attractiveness within a church it's not going to come from fancy slogans or vision statements. You find an attractiveness in the church, it's going to be the attractiveness of the people to a man named Jesus. The more attracted we are to him, the more attractive the world will be to us. Let me give you some practicalities. So here's three ways in which we want our community to be marked. You want to write these down. And I want to teach on these more in depth over the next three weeks. I don't want to mix it up. So don't think that this is in order so you can miss a week because you don't want to hear about community. But number one is mission. You your neighbor say mission. How I many you know we are called to go into this city? We're called to be on mission. Number two, community. We're not just going to love community for community's sake. We're going to invite people into community, but community is messy. How I many would agree with me on that? But community is necessary for our growth. And the third thing is the power of God. 
the presence of God. We want to believe that the power of God. How many would agree with me that one moment, one second with the Holy Spirit can change someone's life more than 15 sermons can? That one moment in worship, the power, the presence of God, that there's a heightened sense of God's presence. And so in the next year, we're going to go through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because we want to actually look at the life of Christ. We're going to go through the stories of the Gospel. We're also going to be starting Alpha. That's going to come up next year. And we're going to be starting more intensive prayer groups, more intensive morning prayers, times for prayers to come together. And we're also going to be spending more time on our prayer groups actually praying. And so when those things are offered, I encourage you to be a part of that. We're also going to be taking up a Christmas offering this year for two reasons, and we're going to be uh, really enjoying and, and focusing as much as we can on Nathan and Danielle Finney, who's going to be with us on December 6th. We're going to try to raise a lot of money with them. Um, I had the opportunity of being with them. Our team also went and was with them um, this uh, summer, and let me tell you something, they are doing really, really good work. I had a two-hour-long conference call with them the other day, and they were telling me about all the things that they want to do. It's incredible. We also want to start something called the Deacons and Justice Fund, because we we also want to help people that are struggling financially. We want to come alongside. And so that Christmas offering is going to be put into that account to help people. Those prayer ministers are going to be started, and we're also going to be doing baptisms, but we're going to be doing baptisms a little different. Instead of doing baptisms at one gathering or the other, we're actually going to have a baptismal service at the central gathering, and we're going to make the whole night about baptisms. And so it's just going to be an incredible time. There's also going to be nights of prayer and nights of worship. There's going to be times where our congregations are going to be coming together as always, and we're going to celebrate. Let me tell you something, guys. Things are getting really, really good. So go tell all your friends about it.